Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. Today's guest has a long and successful history in professional sports. He was the general manager of the LA Dodgers, uh, the Montreal Expos, and the Baltimore Orioles. He also has worked with the Minnesota Twins and Atlanta Braves, but he has a passion for sharing his family's powerful story of undeniable grace, God's mercy, and his son's miraculous healing from a traumatic brain injury caused by a drug overdose. He's going to share that story with us today, as well as important work that he does to combat human trafficking. Kevin Malone is with us today, now the president and co-founder of the United States Institute Against Human Trafficking. So some really important work that we're going to talk about this morning with you, Kevin, but uh, first of all, we need to start with your baseball career. You had a long career in Major League Baseball, and here's the thing. You were the general manager of the Montreal Expos in 1994. I was a huge Expos fan as a kid. And in 1994, I was so sure that you were winning the World Series. And then what happened? <laughs> Mike, that's a good point. I, uh, when you bring up 94 Montreal, I get like a, an ache in my, in my stomach because I bet. That, that was the best team in baseball that year, the Expos. And we were 74 and 40 when the strike hit. And uh, everyone thought we were going to the World Series. We're going to play the Yankees and beat the Yankees. But unfortunately, uh, the strike hit and we didn't get to complete that that season. That's And uh, I think that was the beginning of the end of the Expos in Montreal, because if we'd have yeah. won that year, we'd have built, uh, built, continued to build on a championship team. But uh, those were tough times, but we had a, a great team and, and I'm, I'm sad that we didn't get to finish what we started. Yeah, unfortunately, sold the team the next year. Of course, they moved to Washington. I wonder, how do you move on from disappointment like that? Like, was that a, you said you're, you kind of feel this pain in your stomach yep. when people bring up 94. How do you move on from something like that? Well, Mike, I block it out, really. And uh, <laughs> Me too. And I, as you guys know, you always try to look forward and not look back. So I left uh, Montreal and went to Baltimore with the Orioles and then ended up in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. So uh, you just keep moving forward. And I reflect back on the good times and the great people in Montreal and the team and Felipe Alou, the manager. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't dwell on it too much because it was so disappointing of an ending there. But it was a great experience. I had the two years I lived in Montreal and I got to know Patrick Wall and Kurt Muller and a lot of the the hockey wow. fan, uh, hockey players. So uh, it was it was fun. But uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, it was a short season for me to, to be there. So you speak about the great times. What would you say overall in your baseball career was the, the greatest point for you? Colleen, I think the greatest point probably was when I was with the Minnesota Twins and uh, in, in we won the world championship in 1991. I was uh, the advanced scout that I covered the Atlanta Braves for uh, three weeks leading into the postseason. Uh, so every game they played, I watched, I did a scouting report, I turned it in and we used it, uh, the twins to beat the Atlanta Braves that year in, in a seven game series, a very exciting series with Kirby Puckett and Jack Morris. So the highlight of my career, I would probably say was being a part of the 1991 world championship, Minnesota twins. 
Yeah, I'm just getting all excited. I was a huge Kirby Puckett fan as a kid too, so I remember yes. 1991 very well as well. How, yeah, he then, made a, a, oh. a great catch. He made a great catch in one of the games to to save the game. I think it was a one to nothing game, and he went over the fence in in left center and and brought a home run back. So, but he was a great guy too, a very fun guy, uh, and. Uh, he was just a, a joy to be around uh, and, and he cared about people and he was just, just a good person. So uh, I miss Kirby Puckett. He was a special man. Yeah. He always seemed like it to me. And really, so how do you go from such an amazing baseball career and then you wind up going to seminary and now you're fighting human trafficking? How did that all happen? Well, that's the Lord. You know, I got to give the Lord all the, the praise and the glory for kind of guiding and leading my career and giving me opportunities. And I'm thankful I had some success along the way. Uh, as you mentioned, was in the seminary. While in the seminary, I met my wife. She was in uh, Maryland. She was in the uh, the business school there associated with the seminary. And we've been married 38 years now and uh, was in baseball after the seminary, was in baseball for 17 years, uh, helped, helped run three major league teams. And I've just been blessed. I just thank God. He's been so good to me. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we haven't had ups and downs and, you know, trials and tribulations because we have, but, you know, faith in Jesus, following Jesus has allowed me to, to get through a lot of difficult times and to enjoy a lot of amazing times. So I really do. And I say that with all sincerity is I just give all the praise and the glory to, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because uh, without him, I could do nothing. Uh, I work hard and do all that I can do, but uh, I pray and, and trust the Lord to do all the things that I can't do, which is a lot. Now, speaking of difficult times, you mentioned just a little bit back there, um, your career was 17 years long with baseball. Uh, this was definitely a, a tough time for your family. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was a workaholic, Colleen. I, I enjoyed uh, traveling and, and working and trying to, to, to be the best I could be and help teams that I was working for win championships. So I neglected uh, my wife and kids a lot. I missed a lot of birthdays and special events because I was on the road looking for the next major league all-star or trying to figure out how to build a championship team. And I just felt like, you know, work was, was what I was called to do. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. I think there's a need in, in, in our lives to, especially for men uh, to work hard and to provide for your family. But I realize now that I got my priorities out of line. Uh, I neglected my wife and my kids and I didn't give them what they needed. I, I provided for their physical needs as far as, you know, roof over their head and food on the table, but they wanted time with me and, and I didn't give them that back uh, when I was in baseball. And I thank God that he gave me a second chance and allowed me to be the husband and father that God's called me to be. And, and I just encourage all men that are listening out there to to work hard and do the best you can. But uh, your priority should be uh, after a relationship with God should be taking good care of, of, of your wife and your kids. Now, speaking of your kids, there's a, a film that tells the story of your son and your family. It's called The Sean Miracle. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and why you decided mm. to share such a private thing so publicly? Well, Mike, I felt like uh, we made that movie because we wanted people to know that you can still find true hope, the living hope in God, in Jesus. Uh, we live in a counterculture world right now, a lot of negativity, a lot of anger, a lot of hate. And I believe that uh, 
you know, this movie now will give people hope. It will give people encouragement. It will give people truth. And to let people know that there is a God that loves us and that he is a God of miracles and a God of healing and a God that is faithful. So it was a, a very private situation, but my wife and I talked about it, prayed about it with our daughter, and we thought it was best to tell the story because it really tells people who God is, that he is a faithful God. He is a loving God. He is a caring God, a, a healing God, a, a God of miracles. So uh, we felt like yeah, we could open up. It would be painful, and it is painful. Every time I hear the music start to the Sean Miracle movie or or I see clips of it, 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 it brings back different emotions. And uh, But the main emotion is uh, uh, one of gratitude and thankfulness to God for raising our son from the dead. You know, he was in a coma 60 days. All the neurologists and doctors said, pull the feeding tube, starve him to death, that if he ever woke up out of his coma, he'd be in a vegetative state and he wouldn't want to live like that. But we told the neurologists and the doctors that, no, we were going to pray, trust in God fast and ask God for a miracle. And God delivered. God came through. God showed his faithfulness to us. So we wanted people to know uh, that and have hope Uh, there. You know, a lot of people are without hope these days after COVID and all the crazy stuff going on in the world, but we wanted people to know where you can really find hope. And that that's through faith in God in a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. What's amazing about this film is it's a short, it's 20 minutes long, but the impact that it has in those 20 minutes mm. is amazing. I had a chance to watch it this morning and I just, it's powerful. It's very powerful. And I was crying uh, all yes. throughout the entire thing. One thing that well, stands think- out, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Colleen. Go, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say one thing that really stood out to me in there was when your your wife said you guys prayed when you when they had said you know he's gone. Your wife prayed. Well, he doesn't know Jesus. If he does know Jesus, okay, let's let him go. But if he doesn't, let's have a miracle. Let's bring him back. That part was extremely powerful. Yeah, that's you know that's what I get a lot of comments on Colleen is is the cry of my wife for her son and that you know that that was the most important thing. You know we. We did see a physical healing in Sean that God gave him set rate and brought him back to life and and helped him heal and and but what we don't always talk about is the spiritual healing when he he wasn't a follower or a believer in Jesus, even though he was raised in a a Christian home and he knew all the facts about God about Jesus, but had never really repented and and asked for forgiveness and was not really following Jesus as his Lord and Savior until after he came out of his coma and realized that he he was he was close to being uh separated from God for eternity. He was close to going to hell with this overdose and that God had given him a second chance and so his life changed. So that spiritual healing uh is really one that we need to to tell people about. I mean the physical healing is great and and even Francis Chan, the pastor in the movie, mentions that yeah, physical healing is great, and that's something that we can see. But the spiritual healing, him coming to know the Lord, is way more important than than the physical healing. So, but they're all important, but uh, especially the spiritual, because knowing God now, He's going to spend eternity in heaven because of His faith in Jesus. So, that was key to my wife, and and that was an important part of I think the twenty minute uh, movie that to let people know that God does hear our cries, Colleen and Mike. You know, and sometimes, you know, the result might not be what we wanted, but God 
uh, I believe gives us what's best for us. And, and we're thankful that he gave us our son back and gave not only Sean a second chance at life, but our family a second chance as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows the power of a praying mother as well. Um, mm-hmm. And my mom prayed for me for years. I just celebrated 15 years of sobriety at the end of June here from drug addiction as well. God bless you. A- Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. I grew up in a great Christian home, right? Like your son, uh, since you started telling this story, have you discovered like this is going on in a lot more Christian families than, yeah. That's a great, great point. Uh, You know, it's interesting what you just said, uh, Mike, that there's a lot of uh, Christian families sitting in churches in America and Canada and all over the world that they feel there's some kind of shame when their family goes through a trial, a tribulation, a difficult situation. But, you know, following the Lord doesn't mean everything's perfect and we never have any problems. It just means, you know, life is full of challenges, problems, issues. And it just means that God is with us during those times. God will help us through. He will give us wisdom. He will guide us and direct us. He will, you know, share his shalom, his peace with us. So, uh, I think that's the thing uh, I think people need to know, families, Christians need to know is, you know, you don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to hide your challenges. I think that's the call of the church. That's God wants us to love on each other, to help each other, to pray for each other, to support each other. And I, I, I think sometimes even even Christian families, they're afraid, they're ashamed to share their challenges with others. And I think that's what God wants us to do is to be unified and, and to love on each other. And that's what the world doesn't really see much of anymore is this love that God, you know, that comes with knowing God. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we just need to, to be real, to be genuine and to be truthful. And I think that honors God. Have you had families reach out to you since sharing your son's story? Yes, a lot. You know, the biggest question, the hardest question for us, Colleen, especially for my wife is uh, moms will reach out to her and say, you know, I prayed and, 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 and my son didn't, didn't make it, you know, he, he passed away and why they will ask my wife, why did your son, why did Sean get a miracle and survive? And why did my son not, and why did we not get a second chance? Colleen, that's the hardest question. And I don't have the answer. My wife doesn't have the answer. I just know God's a God of mercy and he had mercy on our family. Now I don't understand why, we got a miracle and others don't. And I, I don't have the answer to that. I just say, I, 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 I don't know what to say. We just say, well, we'll pray for you and we'll pray that God will, you know, reveal things to you and show you things and love on you and, and share his peace with you. But uh, apart from that, I don't know, unless you guys have an answer as to why I, I, I don't, my wife and I still struggle when we get answer, guess, get asked that question. Yeah, no, it's the same. I lost many friends over the years, right? And why did I survive? And they didn't. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know, like you said, we can use our story to encourage others going through it right now and and continue to reach out to them. Uh, Something that you're also really heavily involved in now is fighting human trafficking. How did you get involved in this? Well, I went to Thailand in uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, it's been, I think, like nine, ten years ago, and I was there with uh, a ministry called Zoe International, and they had a safe home for kids that had been uh, sold as sex slaves that had been trafficked uh, for sex there in that country. And I was with Francis Chan, my pastor. We came back to the United States, and 
uh, I, I felt like God was, was, was challenging me guys to, to get in this fight, to help kids and help families, uh, that, that were caught up into this. And, you know, God gave my son a second chance and, and, and he rescued my son from, you know, from eternity in hell. Why should I not go and rescue other sons and daughters for, for moms and dads that their kids got, get, got caught up into this human trafficking and into this evil, this perverseness, this darkness. So I believe God called me to do this. So part of what I do is try to change laws uh, in America. And I work with rescue teams that can go and get sons and daughters back that have either been uh, abducted or lured into human trafficking. Uh, we have a safe home for boys that have been trafficked. It's located in the state of Florida. As far as we know, guys, it's the only safe home for trafficked boys in all of America. Uh, you know, 30% of all trafficked children uh, in the United States are boys. And we never talk about boys being trafficked. We only talk about girls. But I support other homes uh, that tra- that have safe homes for girls. But God's called me to do this, is to fight. I like a good fight, as you guys probably have read or, or understand. And, and God said, I w- if you want to fight, I want you to fight for kids that are getting either that are getting attacked or, 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 or groomed or lured into this and try to prevent kids from getting caught up into into sex trafficking and protect them and then you know make people aware and, and and equip people to fight this with you so not only do i do it but we have a website that's an amazing website guys it's usiaht it's the united states institute against human trafficking usiaht.org and no matter where you live you can go on that website and we will help you to learn more about human trafficking, how you can get involved, how you can use uh, whatever talents or resources you have to fight this fight in your local communities. I'm sure Winnipeg has a huge problem. I know they do. It's a problem in every town and city and community in North America. It's going on. It's in our neighborhoods and our kids need to be protected. There's a lot of predators out there in North America and we need to protect our boys, our boys and girls in, in Canada and in the United States. What's very interesting there is you, what you said, it's taking place everywhere, but the boys part of it, it's always like, you know, I'm going to protect my daughter. I'll make sure my daughter is safe. We never think about the boys. We never think about the sons and you're bringing that up and it's, it's going to be something shocking and something new for a lot of our listeners. Well, I think we think boys are like little men and they are in some ways, but they also need to be protected because they're still, you know, we, in our boys home, we've had eight and 10 year old boys that were sold as sex slaves. One was sold by his father, uh, since he was like four years old for sex. Now, I don't know how evil perverse, or, I mean, this is, this is the worst thing I can think of on the planet is someone raping a child for money. Uh, I, I just, I don't get that. It's just, it mind, it's mind boggling to me. And I think, you know, there's this culture that we live in now that says, no matter what you can do it, it doesn't matter if it feels good or you want to do it, you can do it. But I think we need to shout out to men, to them to check themselves. And we know that pornography is a gateway into this, not for everybody, but for many men that engage in paying to rape kids. Oftentimes we have found through research and studies that oftentimes it, it starts with 
uh, pornography. So, and, and we know it's a downward spiral. Once you start looking at pornography, oftentimes what fulfills or satisfies you doesn't continue and you have to get deeper and darker and more perverse. And that's what we have found oftentimes, again, not always leads to men paying uh, to have sex, especially with children and men are boys and girls. So we need men need to wake up. This isn't right. They need to stop. Get help if that's a challenge for you men out there. I mean, our website, we will help people find help and resources. Men that need help, we will help them. Uh, you know, it's addiction, and sometimes it goes beyond yeah. addiction. So we, we will help men that need help. So it's the help's available on our website. It's especially in the church, like it's such a scary sin to admit to, right? But that's exactly yeah. what Satan wants is you to keep yes. a deep, dark secret. That's a good point. Uh, Mike, I think, you know, people in general, men in particular, I think when we feel like we have a weakness or we fail, we want to hide that from from others. We don't want to ask for help because we we think it's a sign of weakness. But when asking for help, seeking help, getting help, that's a sign of strength. That's it's tougher, I think to ask for help and to get help than it is to avoid it or hide it. And, you know, we've got, we know that even men in churches around the country in the United States and Canada, there's a lot of men that have issues and struggles or addicted to pornography. And it's, it's not helpful for relationships. It's not helpful for a husband and wife relationship or any kind of relationship when, because that's, that becomes, you know, what you think is, is healthy a healthy sexual relationship is watching pornography that, that that's not where you get your template that's not that's not a healthy sexual appetite and you know where are men in churches and women even too in churches going to go find the help that they need to know what's what's honoring to god and so i i think that's a good point mike is that men in churches even pastors there's a a large percentage of men and pastors that have issues with pornography in the churches. Go find help. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to ask others for help. And I just hope that the churches will be open to that and, and respond to those in need, no matter what that need might be. What's up next for you? You have the United States Institute against human trafficking. You've got Sean's miracle story. What's up next? Maybe the Canadian Institute Against Human Trafficking. Yeah, no, I'm just. I was just thinking out <laughs> loud. I was thinking we've been invited into different countries, and I've done work in different countries. Uh, you know, there's such a big problem in America, and I figured, you know, I had moved from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to fight it because people think you can fly into Las Vegas and 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 party, and that prostitution's legal. It's not. Prostitution is against the law in Las Vegas. You have to go about 90 miles outside the city to uh, to find where it's legal. And I just uh, I'm, I just I have so much to do here in the fight against trafficking. You know, I have a great love for Israel. So I do a lot to try to support Israel and, and, and fight uh, the BDS and fight all the anti-Semitism. I just think God's called me to do that as well. So uh, those are I stay busy, Colleen. I got a lot on my plate. I mean, I, it sounds like you might want to add something, but if you would hold off for a little while till I can <laughs> uh, till I can, can can get ahead of this a little bit. But I would ask for you guys and your listeners to please, please to please pray for me and my family and my ministries 
as we as we just try to do what God's called us to do. And we just want to be obedient and honor God and and point people to Jesus. And we just need a lot of prayer because, as you guys know, spiritual warfare is 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 it, it's raging right now. It's everywhere, and the devil, as you mentioned, Mike is trying to divide and conquer. And we know that he, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's what he's up to all over the world. So we need to to fight for each other, to love on each other, and help each other. How can people learn about you, learn about uh, the Sean Miracle, and also learn about uh, the United States Institute Against Human Trafficking? The best way, I think, is uh, the Sean Miracle is online for free. We have it in five languages. We have it... Uh, we have it in Farsi. We've we've pumped it into Iran uh, through a Moabite satellite to eight million homes in Iran. We have it in Hebrew. We were in Israel two years ago and we showed it. Uh, it's Hebrew subtitles. We showed it around Jerusalem. Uh, we have it in Amharic, which is an Ethiopian language, and in Spanish, uh, and obviously in English. So uh, it, it's online. Just go to www.seanmiracle.com or seanmovie.com and that's Sean S-H-A-W-N so on our website it's free, it's on YouTube Sean Miracle or Sean Movie and it'll pop up and you can watch it 20 minutes, it's a powerful movie and then the human trafficking website is usiaht.org and uh, there's a lot of great information on there about human trafficking so uh I thank you guys for the opportunity and uh, anything I can do to help you guys or your listeners learn more about one coming to saving faith in Jesus, which is the priority uh, for me and uh, and for my family, but also in getting involved in fighting human trafficking. Uh, just let me know and uh, anything we can do to help. Uh, we'd love to be uh, a solution to, to some of the issues and problems that, that people are facing all over the world. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin, sharing your family story and your passion, too, for ending human trafficking. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to the Connections podcast. You can find it at podcastville.ca. You can also find it anywhere else you get your favorite podcast from. We'd love if you shared it, if you subscribed, and if you rated it to help other people find these great conversations on everyday life and faith. We'll talk to you again on Connections.